Hey, good morning. Good morning. I wonder how you're finding lockdown when it comes to discipline. I mean, how are you, how are you doing? Are you, have you lost a couple of stone? Are you fighting against that temptation to snack and eat? Have you read all those books you ever wanted to read? You know, War and Peace, Shakespeare's complete works. Maybe you've ticked them all off. Maybe DIY, smashed it all, not a scrap of loose paper uh, in your house at all. Or maybe it's been a little bit more difficult. You know, fighting against those temptations has been hard. You've been putting your feet up a bit too much. You're, you feel like you're in a con continuous drip of coffee and biscuits. Or maybe it's a little more serious. Maybe you're really struggling to control your anger, to control yourself when it comes to stuff on the internet and what we watch when we're on our own. Maybe, maybe things have just been really hard in your family. It keeps bubbling up and boiling over. Well, the Lord's Prayer is what we need at this time, isn't it? The Lord's Prayer is, is what we've needed. I wonder if you found it helpful to reorientate yourself around God, our Father in heaven, to take your eyes off yourself and put them on him, to throw yourself onto him. Well, today we're coming to the final part of that prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Temptation is something that's so common, isn't it? It's almost like the, the everyday background noise of life. It almost never gives us a rest. I mean, every single one of us knows that sickly sweet feeling, that disorientating experience where something bad appears as something good. It might be something that we joke about, you know, breaking a diet with a, with a bit of chocolate or ice cream or chocolate ice cream. Um, we might just say, oh, it's just a bad habit, you know, or I've, I've been a bit naughty again. It's no big deal. But we know, we know that temptation can be a lot more serious than that, don't we? I think all of us have been visited by temptation's darker side something that we don't really make so many jokes about. Or if we do, then, then the laughter usually just covers up old wounds and deep shame. See, temptation is, is that burning desire, this magnetic attraction to do something or believe something or say something that we know we shouldn't do or say or believe. Something that looks so sweet on the surface, but rotten inside, like a wolf at the door. But you don't know it's a wolf to begin with. You know, it's offering you life and happiness and, and life to the full. Uh, but as soon as you put your hand to the latch, it bursts in and switches it. It's too late to realise it. And life has been switched for death. You can't slam the door anymore. It's an exhausting part of life, isn't it? To battle it all alone. And it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be alone. But temptation does usually leave us isolated and embarrassed, hiding, putting up a front feeling like nobody else could ever be as rotten as me. You know, I can't share this with anybody. It leaves us alone. Alone in a dark hole that we just feel like we can't get out of. Well, this is what we're looking at today. Um, temptation. We're, we'll look at, to begin with, kind of how do we get ourselves into this? How do we get into this hole? And then how do we get out of it? And then finally, how do we stay out? How do we stay out of it? Well, how do we get into it? How do we get taken in by this in the first place? Well, one reason, I think, is that a lot of the stuff that tempts us are usually good things. I mean, man, money, family, comfort, pleasure, those aren't bad things at all, are they? No, they're good gifts that God has given to us. Those aren't bad things, but the problem comes, the problem is that we want them too badly. You see, we think that those things are going to be able to satisfy us, to secure us, that they're much better than anything that God could ever provide for us. You know, the one who is our father, 
who created us in the first place. Well, we turn our backs on him, don't we? We think, if you like, we, we reverse the Lord's Prayer. We put it all upside down again. And whether it's a temptation like that, you know, a desire for something that, that, that we really, really want, or whether it's just a difficulty. See, in Greek, the word for temptation and testing is actually the same word. That, that situations come along where you're tempted to flip the Lord's Prayer on its head and to pray things, or not, I suppose you wouldn't pray it, but, you know, to think and believe things like, well, God is not a good father. I mean, if he's even in heaven at all, he's not good. I'm on my own in this life. His kingdom isn't worth it. He doesn't know what's best. His will isn't to be done. No, my will is to be done. I know what's best. I think he's been holding things back from me. He's been trying to spoil life for me. My will is what should be done, not his. Or thinking about our daily bread, what we need. We, we think what God provides isn't enough. And so I've got to go and get it on my own. Or when it comes to forgiveness, I mean... Other people are a lot worse than I am. So what is God making a big fuss of me over? What others have done to me is far worse than what I have done. I mean, do I really need forgiveness? I'm better off taking things into my own hands. See, that's what temptations do at heart. They lead us to to turn away from God, to take things into our own hands. Take anger as an example. Anger is a good desire for justice, isn't it? But it can often often go wrong. I mean, it's good to begin with because we want right to be to to be victorious over wrong. We want wrongs to be put right. But then we get impatient and we get so focused on the wrong that's been done to me. I become so important, so kind of inflated that I take matters into my own hands and I start shouting at people or I slam a door or I cold shoulder somebody into submission, you know, until they come groveling back and and give me what they deserve. See, I take it into my own hands rather than letting God be God and trusting that my heavenly father knows a lot more about this situation than I do, that he feels it a lot more deeply than I do, that he knows that person's motives. He knows everything that's happened and that he will, like a good father, he'll bring justice. He'll bring punishment, but in the right way, in a proportionate way, in the right time. So I take it into my own hands and all of a sudden I'm in a deep pit I've broken relationships around me. Everybody's treading on eggshells. My children are scared of me. My wife doesn't feel safe around me anymore. That's what anger does, doesn't it? Starts off okay, it starts as a good desire and then gets twisted and broken. And we end up slipping into this deep pit that we just can't get out of. Life is full of those kind of things. Tests and challenges that that tempt us to turn the Lord's Prayer on its head, to not trust God to take things into our own hands and walk away from him. That's what temptations are at heart. Opportunities to swallow those lies and be free from God, but then to be free from the one who's the source of all life is is death and sadness. And so it seems so sweet and beautiful and good to begin with. And then you open the door, in comes the wolf, and there's just death and sadness and wreckage. Well, Jesus says to us today that there's good news If you're feeling like you're in that hole, if you're looking up from a dark pit today, well, Jesus says, look at me, look to my face and you'll find hope. See, he knows what we're going through. He knows what we're going through, not just because he's all knowing, but because he's been through it. He's been tempted. He's been a victim of other people giving into temptations and he's come through all of that into glory and beauty. See, he is here right now. If you're welcoming, he's here to bind up wounds, to restore dignity, to bring beauty 
where right now there's only wreckage and tears and shame. That's the good news of Jesus. The first thing to do when we're fighting temptation, when we realise we're down here in this pit, is to look to him and pray the previous line of the Lord's Prayer, is to come and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive us our sins. Lord, I'm sorry. I walked into this. I didn't trust you as a good father. I've lived for my own kingdom, for my own will. I trusted myself. I took it into my own hands. Lord, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me and change my heart? And he says, yes. And he reaches down and pulls us out. But the even more amazing thing than, than the fact that he forgives us is the way that he forgives us. Is that he doesn't just throw down a ladder or, or a rope, but he comes down himself. He risked all the pitfalls of temptation himself and carries us out. See, he's the one who started his whole life, his whole work in a desert being tempted. You can read about it in some of the biographies of Jesus. He gets baptised and starts up his work and straight away he's out in the desert being tempted by Satan himself. Tempted not to trust God as his father. Tempted not to trust the way. Tempted to, to, to take things into his own hands and provide for himself. Tempted not to suffer and do what needed to be done to rescue humanity. See, Jesus is not just an example when he's going through that temptation, he's not just, it's not just that we should read it looking for methods to try and crack temptation. No, he's more than an example. He was doing that in our, in our place, doing what I could never do, facing down deeper temptation than we have ever experienced and standing firm. You see, that was at the beginning of his life and, and he, he did it all the way through, standing firm against temptation all the way to the end. The night before that he died, Jesus was in a garden praying, knowing exactly what he was about to face and praying, Lord, I don't want to go there. If there's any other way than going to the cross, would, would you make it happen? And yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, he was being tempted not to follow that path of suffering, not to follow that path of rescue, but instead to, to take his own path. But he, he resisted, he stood firm, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And then he went to the cross and he died. He took on himself all of our mess. He came right down into the deepest of our pits and he died there miserably. But then he rose up again in life and in glory. And so you see, in the moment that he takes away all of our failures, he gives to you something precious, something beautiful. He gives you his own clothes, his own goodness, his own perfection that he'd earned through a life of never falling to temptation. He gives it to us as a gift so that you can stand confident before God. See, he comes down into these pits and he picks us up and carries us out. A good father. Our God is a good father, isn't he? A good father who would plan to do that, who would give his only son for us. This is what a passage of scripture right at the end of the New Testament says, speaking about Jesus, it says we don't have a high priest, you know, that we're following who looks after us, who speaks for us. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, God knows what we go through. He's been this way before and he stood firm so that we can walk into his presence and know confidence 
we can know that he really is good. We can come and ask for help when we're struggling. When you really get that, that changes your heart. When you really take into your life the God who would love you like that, with a costly love, that changes your heart to hate what he hates, to love what he loves, to see that he's for you. It makes you able to come to the throne of grace, to God's throne himself, and say, lead me not into temptation. Would you help me? What are we praying, though, when we say, lead me not into temptation? Well, I think we're praying something like this. We're praying, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to go there. Lord, I don't want to risk losing you. It just hurts too much to even think about that. Please don't lead me there. You see, it's not that God tempts us, or else it would say, please don't tempt me. But it's, lead me not into temptation. We're saying, Lord, I know you're in control. It's exactly the same prayer that Jesus prayed. I know you're in control. I know that you lead us. I know that you guide our steps. I know that you control all things. So, Lord, when I find myself in this situation, would you help me not to turn away from you? Would you deliver me? I know when I'm in those kind of situations, Lord, would you help me to know that you brought me this way for a reason, that you brought me here to strengthen, to humble me, to make me lean on you all the more, to drink deeper from the fountain of life that is you. That's what it means to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of trust, placing ourselves into the hands of the one who knows us and loves us and is going to bring us through it all. So next time you're in the staff room and people are gossiping, you need to have prayed this prayer in the morning. You know, people are, are taking somebody and ripping them down and maybe they're right. Maybe you want to join in and you feel that temptation. But if you've prayed this, if you prayed, Lord, lead me not into temptation today and deliver me, deliver me from evil, then you'll see that for what it is. You won't feel like God has abandoned you. You won't feel like he's testing you, you know, like a, like a, a driving instructor tests you with his with his silence, with his, uh, with his tabard on, with his clipboard, just silently ticking or crossing, not giving you any help at all. That's not how God tests us. That's not how he leads us through these situations. It's not bad luck. It's not God trying to punish us. No, you'll see when you walk into that staff room and you're tempted to gossip along, you'll be able to see that this is an opportunity to trust him, to say, Lord, I see this as your plan. Please help me. Please take me by the hand and make me stronger. Make me more humble. Make me trust you. Help me to say no. That even if that puts me on the outside of the group, help me to be okay with that and to see the reward that comes from having a closer walk with you afterwards. You see, this is a prayer that if we pray it in the morning, wakes us up. It's the first step at fighting temptation. It's the armour that we buckle on as we get ready to fight. It gives us confidence to bring God into our situation and to help us stay out of temptation. So this is point number three. If we get ourselves into it, but God rescues us with Jesus's goodness, Jesus's death pulls us out of temptation and out of the consequences of it, out of sin. Well, then how do we stay out? Remember, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but would you deliver us from evil? We need to remember, first of all, that he's the one who delivers us. That the first step of it all is bringing to him our, our brokenness. But then what do we do? Well, remember he delivers us and remember that we need to respond as well. So I've got some really practical things for us to think about. First is to remember he delivers us by his presence. So use your knees. 
Pray, bring him into the situation in all of his glory and kindness as a heavenly father who's good, who's worthy of honour, who's worthy of following and obeying. You could pray, Lord, I don't want to be here, but I know this is an opportunity to trust you. So please help me. I know that you promise in your word that you won't ever give us more than we can bear and that, that you'll be with us, that you'll carry us through, that you'll deliver us from evil. So Lord, would you give me your spirit to open my eyes and see the bitterness behind the sweetness. Help me to see you and fix my eyes on you. So remember, he's present with you. So use your knees. The second thing is you've got to use your ears. Remember, he delivers us with his words. So use your ears. The first is use your ears in, in an imaginative way. So kind of use your imagination. The Bible gives us loads of really kind of visceral, um, deep, like pictures that make you feel the horror and the danger of sin. Pictures like a wolf at the door. And you've got to keep that door shut. Don't let him in because he'll pounce. Pictures like a great big idol that's beckoning you to bow down. So no, stand firm. Even when everybody else is on their faces, you stand up. Don't bow down. Or an adulterer, an adulteress who's, who's saying, come on, there's no consequences. It'll just be pleasure. You've got to break your eyes away, break the stare and walk away. Turn your back. So listen to God's words. Find those pictures. Take seriously how, how horrible sin is and how dangerous temptation is and run away. Use your feet. See, God always gives us a, a rescue plan. This is number three. Use your feet and run away. Look for the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He was somebody who did that and it really cost him. Jesus takes it up a notch. Joseph was put in prison. Jesus says, cut off your hands, cut off your eyes if they're causing you to sin. And we shouldn't do that literally, but he's, he's helping us to see the cost of following him, that it will hurt sometimes. It might cost you your job. It might cost you a relationship. It'll feel like death sometimes, and yet it'll be life. And we follow the one who, who actually went to his death, who walked through death itself, who shed his own blood to rescue us and bring us to life and beauty afterwards. So trust him, run away from temptation but run with Jesus. Number four, use your heart. There's a, a couple of great stories in Greek mythology about two men who made it safely past the sirens. Um, not police sirens or fire engine sirens. No, these were kind of weird mythical creatures who sang such beautiful music that sailors who sailed past the island that they lived would, would sail too close. and They would want to hear the music. They'd want to see what was creating this beautiful sound and they'd crash their ships onto the rocks. Well, only two men ever made it past the sirens and they had two different methods of doing it. Jason, Jason we'll come to in a minute. He had a great method, but Odysseus was the first one. He put wax in the ears of his sailors, tied himself to the mast and white knuckled it, you know, just because he wanted to hear the music, didn't put wax in his own ears and just through sheer determination got through past the sirens. But Odysseus had a, Jason, sorry, had a far better method, Jason and the Argonauts. He got somebody who would play even better music, even better music than the sirens, a man called Orpheus, who could play beautiful music. And, and when they got to the sirens island, Orpheus struck up and more beautiful music was played than they'd ever heard before. It drowned out the music of the sirens and they sailed on past rather than being half insane with desire like, or, like Odysseus was. Jason went past in happiness and joy. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who plays music to our souls. You can't just white knuckle it through temptation and, 
and get it to the other side with any, with any kind of joy. You need to go with Jesus, singing to you, singing over you, telling you of, of his beauty, telling you of, of the wonderful closeness there is with a heavenly father who's good and loving. You need to have that beautiful music, singing, ringing in your ears, deep into your heart so that you won't be pulled aside, pulled into pits by things that look beautiful because something even more beautiful will have conquered your heart. The final thing, we need each other. God delivers us through people, through his people. So use your phone, use your knees in prayer, use your feet to run away, use your ears to listen to him, use your heart to love him above all, and use your phone to ring somebody, to to share with them the struggles, the temptations that you have, to prick that bubble of loneliness where you feel like it's only you. Pour it out, confess it to somebody else, share it with them and let them sing about Jesus to you. Let them share about his goodness, his love, so that you might, you might avoid temptation, that you might be delivered and draw closer to Christ even through that. Why don't we pray the Lord's Prayer as we finish? Let's turn our hearts to Christ. Let's turn our hearts to this Heavenly Father and ask him to help us. Oh, Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And oh Lord, would you forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And as we go to this week, Father, we pray you would lead us not into temptation. We don't want to walk away from you. But Lord, we pray that you would deliver us from evil. Whatever it is that you have for us this week, as you lead us by the hand, would you carry us? Would you walk with us? Would you sing to us that our hearts would love you most of all, that you would deliver us from evil, that you would have glory and that we would have eternal joy, we pray. Amen.